Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. Uh, this is a special live pod coming to you post-USA versus Slovenia. We can certainly talk about the game that just happened, <laughs> the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, and you can talk about anything you want on this. It is wide open, but obviously with a U.S. men's national team game happening and the first one of 2024, we said, hey, let's get together and talk it out. But it can be about soccer or life or anything in between. As I mentioned, I have my uh, friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire with me here today. Mossy, we, as we said, are coming off of this game. Uh, the first game of the year and a first game uh, and, and the only game relative to the January camp, often, I don't know if it's affectionately referred to, uh, as a matter of fact, I would look at it in much more of a negative type of way as Camp Cupcake, relative to the inexperience and the youth of the team. And that was certainly on display here with plenty of players getting their first caps uh, and plenty of players players that looking forward, probably much more eligible and uh, viable from a Olympic standpoint this summer than a Copa America. Uh, who knows what happens in 2026? But it's still a nice little peek into what's coming down the pike and possibly some players that uh, could maim, uh, make a name for themselves over the uh, over the next few years. From, from a result standpoint, not good. I've said time and time again that I'm a part of me has died in that I am about results. Um, the, and maybe the romantic part of me has died. <laughs> See, but figure out a way to get it done, even with the difficulty of a new team coming together. It should be said also this so young, inexperienced, and not their quote unquote first team. So they should have no excuses. I thought the first half uh, was worse than the second half. And that often happens when you grow into a game. We'll go through everything, but just general thoughts. Uh, uninspired for much of the game until maybe the second half of the second half. Nobody really stood out. There were a couple of good performances. Nobody elite. Nobody great in the way that they performed. And a game that I think will not be remembered for anything that happened on the field. And I don't think ultimately is cause for concern, but I know I, and I'm sure many of you out there were at least expecting more. All right. So that's the top level analysis. We'll get into a little bit uh, of the other stuff. Mossy, uh, initial uh, instant reaction thoughts to this game. Uh, even by January camp standards, there was a feeling of pointlessness hanging over this match. And I know Casey Keller has spoken about how the more U.S. players go to Europe, it's going to increasingly feel that way with this January camp that occurs outside a FIFA window. The only thing that gave it some sense of purpose for me was the Olympics. So I was much more interested in the Olympic age players, Diego Luna, Atencio, Aiden Morris, the guys that came on in the second half, Duncan McGuire, Barak Terevich, uh, McGlynn, Caleb Wiley, etc., 
I was less interested in Brian White, Timothy Tillman, Shaq Moore, because I don't think I saw anybody on this field, with the possible exception of Miles Robinson, who's obviously an outlier. He was the one truly established mm-hmm. player in this roster. I didn't see anybody that I think could contribute anything at the Copa America, but I did see some players who could be interesting for the Olympics, particularly since, remember, the Copa America is going to be the priority. So you got to see what that roster looks like and what's left over for the Olympics. And then clubs are not obligated to release players for the Olympics. So you're going to run into some issues there. So you're going to have to dig deep into the, the talent pool. And so I think some of the players we saw on the field today could definitely factor in the Olympics. All right. So you mentioned a couple different players there. I thought that of the players that had good games, again, nobody with a great game, um, you know, Diego Luna continues to be interesting in that he is a little unique and different relative to many players that we have, both in terms of his stature and the way that he plays. My my question, and I guess the, the problem or challenge for Diego Luna is, does he play or want to play in a certain way that, one, um, he is able to do individually? I even have questions about that. But two, is this team under Greg Berhalter, or anybody for that matter, focused on playing like that? And it could be a, a you know, a... Uh, you know, a square peg in a round hole type of situation with him. But, you know, some of the individual moments of skill and vision, wonderful, wonderful to see. I didn't think Tom, uh, Tom, Tillman was 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 bad. Uh, at times I thought he was good. I thought Jones over there on the left-hand side. Um, I didn't think Shaq Moore had a good game. I, I, Kamungo missed the chance, but he also lost the ball on the, on the goal ultimately. Didn't think he was good. Uh, and then I thought that Schulte, when he goes back and looks at that goal, will have want that will want that back in terms of the you know the the relatively benign angle that it ultimately came from one of his defenders tracking down um and then you know it was a nice finish but i just you got to be able to do better in that position um there's somewhere you just raise your hand and say hey nothing you can do there i think schulte will look back and say i could have done uh done better um mossy real quick before we let everybody else in here and we do want to have other uh, other people talk here so if you do want to talk you hit that little button and it's a little blue light shows up that lets me know that you want to come up and dazzle us and i only ask that you do it in an efficient manner economy of words don't bore us get to the chorus all that kind of stuff and i I can see there's already some people that do want to come up and we'll get to you in a second mossy um should this change anybody's view, I guess, positively or negatively relative to Greg Berhalter? I don't think he's going to lose a whole lot of sleep over this. I don't think a lot of us are going to lose a whole lot of sleep over this in terms of a red flag or a warning for, for what's to come. Uh, no, it should not. Um, he's got bigger tests ahead in March, uh, the Nations League Final Four, Jamaica, and then possibly Mexico or Panama, and then obviously the Copa America in the summer. And he'll ultimately be judged on that, I think today's match uh, completely irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Before we, before we, one last one question to you, Mossy, and you mentioned it, and I think it is this, this shift that is happening of the realities of, of soccer and of this national team where so many players now uh, are playing overseas. And, you know, there is this, this idea that the pathways exist, the opportunities exist, the resources exist to develop much better and much more type of talent. Does this give you any pause? And, and realize that I'm also saying this at a time when the U.S. finally, for the first time since 2008, from a men's side, is actually going back to the Olympics, and that is certainly a good thing. But does when you see what the U.S. has to offer at a young and inexperienced level, and, and you put it up against what 
many have said is a a new and brave new world of development and much more um, nurturing and fertile type of uh, land that we have to develop these players. Does it give you pause when you about? Uh, there are some people that view the Pulisic, McKinney, Adams, Reina group as a golden generation, and then there are others mm-hmm. that feel like no, it's the new normal, and the U.S. has figured out player development, and they're going to start pumping out players like that on a consistent basis like the elite soccer nations do. And so I'm kind of looking at games like today through that lens and seeing the younger players coming up. Are they of the same level of a Pulisic, a Reina, McKinney, and Adams? Uh, both because, you know, you, you want to build up the depth for 2026 and also beyond this generation, you're wondering, is there something coming up behind it that's going to be able to build on the momentum on whatever achievements this current group uh, manages? So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I guess it is an open question as to whether this younger group coming up behind those guys, is it as good as it should be? Is it not? Is there some concern about that? Look, it, it, this could change uh, when the Olympics show up this summer. But as I said before, there should be no sacred cows out there. Everybody, as good as they are, and maybe they are a golden generation, but I want that golden generation to hopefully feel some sort of sense of pressure and competition and a next generation, I guess, standing on their shoulders and coming up and wanting to take it away. That's how it should work. But today did not give me hope. I haven't lost all hope, but today certainly (laughs) did not give me hope that that is necessarily happening going forward. But who knows? Uh, 2024 is going to be really interesting, both on and off the field from an American soccer perspective. All right, let's get to some people here that want to uh, join us here on this live State of the Union. And as I said, just hit that little button, that blue, uh, blue light shows up. And lets me know that you want to speak like, let's see, uh, Alex Goldstein here, who wants to speak. Alex, are you there? Yes, hello. Hey, I'm how good. you doing? Good to hear I'm from you. I'm very good, thank you. How are you guys this afternoon? We're good. Mossy looks good. I mean, Mossy always looks good, though. He's, uh, I'm not going to speak for you, Mossy, but you look good. I'm, I'm assuming you're good, right? I am good. All right, there we go. We've established that we're both good. Awesome. Now, how can we help? You? Well, I actually have a couple of questions. So my first question sure. is, uh, you know, obviously with the Copa America com- coming up, I wanted to know mm-hmm. from your experience, Alexi, so you've played in the 1993 Copa America and you played in the 1995 Copa America. How would you compare? Because obviously you were th- those took place in South America. How did you mm-hmm. compare the humidity of Uruguay playing there as well compared to like the altitude in Ecuador. How do, how was that? That's kind of where I'm curious because in South America, you have so many geography and climate and you as an American, obviously in the U.S., we also have that too. But it, I don't think, I don't know if it's compared that altitude there and that humidity. So kind of give me your experience between those two. So two things. One, uh, when we played in Uruguay in 1995 uh, in Copa America, it was a, a historic run to the semifinals back then. It was actually, um, well, not back then, it <laughs> consistently has been and will be uh, next summer, uh, wintertime. So it was actually cold uh, where we were, and we were based in a place called Paisandu, Uruguay, and it was actually cold. We brought our winter stuff. We wore jackets. Uh, and so the heat... Uh, there was none. So that was not something that we, uh, that we dealt with the, um, the elevation when it comes to, or, and the altitude, if you will, when it comes to Ecuador, actually, I went down on loan many years later or not too many years later. And I went to a place called, um, Guayaquil, which is the hottest place I've ever been in my life. It was right in the middle of an El Nino type of season. So, but it wasn't in the, in the summertime. I don't remember 93 being stressed about any type of climate or weather conditions that 
adversely affected us uh, going forward. We know this summer relative to the uh, Copa America coming, you know, it's so funny. We, we talked so much about weather and heat when it came to Qatar. Which even moved it to uh, December to alleviate some of those problems and the technology that existed in some of those stadiums. But it's going to be damn hot in the summer. It always is. And a lot of these teams, whether it's this summer in Copa America, next summer in the, uh, in the FIFA Club World Cup, or the following summer in the Men's World Cup, there are going to be teams that are playing outdoors in midsummer America heat. And that is going to be not only hot, but that's going to be in a strange way, a, an advantage or a disadvantage, depending on how you look at it, especially when you compare it to other teams that will be playing inside, because we know that there's four indoor venues for 2026. And I would think that in a climate-controlled uh, venue, you have an advantage relative to, uh, relative to other teams. So, I mean, I, I think all players deal with it, and some players prefer to play in the colder situation, and some players prefer to play in the, in the, in the heat. Even despite my... Uh, inability to get tan and my complexion and my pigmentation um, and and the sunburn that would un, invariably, sh you know, just destroy me. I think I preferred playing in the, in the heat. I think the, the control of the ball was, <laughs> if you can believe this, actually more important to me. And I think you can do that better in the uh, in the heat. But I appreciate your question. Yeah. And then I uh, just want to say also one last thing, uh, just a question for the both of you. Sure. With the Olympics coming up in Paris, who are your three senior uh, players that you would call up for the U.S. men's national team? Marcio, I'll let you start this. Go ahead. It's a tough one because anybody who's really good you think will play in the Copa America, and it's unlikely that any player will play in both. Um, Doug McIntyre came on uh, one of our shows recently and said that Walker Zimmerman is somebody that Greg Berhalter right now has more or less ticketed for one of those over 23 spots. So it's going to be probably players like that who just get squeezed out of the Copa America squad, but who he thinks have something to add to the Olympic team. And as we said, it's been a long time from a men's side that the U.S. has had to deal with this and make that strategic type of selection, right? Uh, back in 92, when I first played in the Olympics in uh, Barcelona, there was no three overage players. It was just all under 23 at the time of the, uh, of time of the Olympics. And then in 96, I actually went as one of the overage players. And you look at it tactically, usually you go down the spine of the field. Uh, and that's what we kind of did with Casey Keller and myself and different people at different times for bride and those types of, uh, those types of players. So you would, you know, I don't know. It depends how, how you want to approach it. Do you think that having a goalkeeper is essential or, or a over 23 goalkeeper is essential in terms of bringing that experience to that team? Or do you get more out of it? And I know Greg Berhalter thinks about development and thinks about the future, or do you get more out of having a young and experienced goalkeeper actually do something and play in a real tournament and get that experience that is invaluable uh, going forward. I don't know. And I, and, and keep in mind, they don't, they don't come for qualifying. They just come pretty much at the end. And some of these players might be in the mid seasons. And, and so it, it's going to have to, to Mossy's point, be players that make you better on the field, but also players that want to go and that are available, available, available to go and obviously not being part of what's going to happen um, in the uh, in the summer from a Copa America perspective. Uh, let's see here. Anybody else uh, want to talk here? There's some more here. The the stats lad. 
There's nothing that I find more sexy, Mossy, than stats. <laughs> oh, goodness. Stats, are you uh, yeah. Unmute yep. yourself. Hey, what's up? What's what's going on? Uh, no, um, I'm just a big fan of the show, but uh, my my thing is um, that's part of my name, big part of the stats. I don't want to get fully into it, but you know, you look at the general categories. We were beating de- defense on pretty much every single thing. So, are you talking about the game? Yes, today. today. Okay. Well, go ahead. Give us the stats that, and, and what does it say to you? So it just, just in the back. I mean, Jones was by far our, our best back there. Okay. Um, you know, we had nine tackles, one 13 to them. Uh, they've intercepted 10. We intercepted seven, four blocks to one, five to 10. All those to, uh, to that. I got it. I got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're losing you in and out, but I get, I get the gist of what you're saying, my friend. Um, in terms of the stats. And I don't think that that should be any surprise to anybody that actually watched the game. And if you didn't watch the game, you didn't miss much. And I think I was, I was disappointed from a possession stat, if you will, especially when it came to the first half that the U S kind of conceded possession, whether it was by design or not, I don't know, but obviously it didn't result in a tremendous amount of chances created and certainly didn't result in a whole lot of goals. I think stats in general can be misleading. Um, but they can be incredibly valuable, but also maybe even more so in a game like this, Mossy, where we're, you know, we're looking for diamonds in the rough. We are looking for moments as opposed, because there were some nice types of sequences. There was one in the first half that I can remember, one in the second half where one touching in and out, nice through ball in that ultimately didn't result in anything. But for the most part, we were looking at individuals that stood out. And sometimes on the stat sheet, that doesn't, that doesn't, make itself readily apparent. Yeah, a game like this, it's going to be disjointed. These guys have never played together uh, before moments. Uh, right after Slovenia scored, the best U.S. chance of the half was a lovely team mover. Diego Luna played a nice through ball to Brian White, who squared it across for Camungo, whose shot was saved. Earlier in the half, there was a lovely little passing move where Atencio played a beautiful long ball to Jones, who then got it all wrong with the cross. Um, but you're right. You could see some moments there, but uh, not enough of them for sure. Yeah. So I agree with that stats land. Yeah. I think the stats do reflect the game. Slovenia was the better team and deserved to win. Mossy, if we start to push this forward uh, for this team this year in 2024 and then beyond, how confident and comfortable are you with where this U.S. men's national team is right now? under Greg Berhalter. When you take into all the different talent that we have out there, obviously all the drama that played out over last year in terms of coming back to, I guess it would be uh, be Greg Berhalter. And I say that only because, you know, and, and we do kind of say it jokingly, but behind the joke, there is an element of, I guess, wishful thinking um, and reality. You know, when someone like Jose Mourinho loses his job, immediately people say, hey, you know, he's sitting out there. And I know the, the cost would be ridiculous. But do you see, if you look into your crystal ball over this next year, anything happening, um, and, and certainly after today's game, that monumental in terms of a change being made? I know we said that a, a massive failure this summer in the Copa America, I've said at least, 
could certainly trigger that type of change. But as you look at it, is this ship sailed? Is this and is this sailing in the right direction for you relative to this summer and then obviously 2026? Yeah, I've said before, I think it would have to be a complete disaster uh, this summer, meaning group stage exit for Berhalter to be at any risk of losing his job. I think some people are projecting their opinions onto Matt Crocker about what he needs to do. I don't get the sense that Matt Crocker, after going through that, what he claims was an exhaustive process and, and choosing Berhalter to lead the team for another cycle uh, into the 2026 World Cup, would pl- pull the plug on it right away just by a bad quarterfinal exit at the Copa America. I don't know. That's just, I could be wrong. That's just my sense of it. But I will say, I mentioned this in a previous spaces. I don't want to go all in on this take yet. I'm just kind of flicking the jab here. But you and I were initially against bringing Berhalter back because we're not fans of coaches doing two cycles in a row. And then when the Geo thing happened, I know you especially felt like, well, that's the wrong reason for him to not get the job. So then you moved into the camp of wanting him to remain the coach. Now that the dust has settled on the Geo situation, some of the reasons why I was against Berhalter coming back are sort of creeping back in. There is just a staleness so far to Berhalter 2.0, and I'm curious to see how it feels, like I said, in March in the Nations League Final Four, and obviously in the Copa America, if that way or not, if it's just sort of a wrong impression I'm getting right now. But there's just a little bit of that creeping in, just watching him on the sideline for these games. I can't put my finger on it, but but you seem to be nodding, so you kind of get where no. I, I can, That is a completely fair uh, analysis, and and I think a... At least I think it's a common reaction, and I feel what you are saying right now. Not to the to the point of you need to you need to fire Greg Berhalter, but there is a feeling when, when of of him needing to do something more, him needing to actually show that he has changed, that he has evolved, and that this is a a new and improved Greg Berhalter. And we have yet to actually see that, but it has to show up. And I think it has to show up sooner uh, rather than later. Mossy, did I uh, look at this? We got ourselves. Oh, my goodness. Hold on. Hold on here. We got ourselves a neurosurgery resident, allegedly, because this is the Internet. But let's see if the good doctor has anything to say with uh, with Dylan Goodrich here. Dylan, unmute yourself now or forever hold your peace, my friend. Hello. Hey there. Hey, Doc. How you doing? Well, Dr. B, right? No, I'm a doctor. <laughs> you are. Okay. Finishing my last right, year of residency. So. You are okay. Okay, wonderful. And how's it going? You you gonna finish this up strong? Yeah, finishing up strong really? and going out. Into the and world. what will your specialty be? What's your what's your specialty? Uh, within neurosurgery, I'm gonna focus on spine surgery, but I'll still do general cranial and stuff too. Look at you. All right. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I just wanted to ask a question. Um, who are you most pleasantly surprised by in today's game in terms of the young guys? Pleasantly surprised, uh, Tillman. I was pleasantly surprised that, you know, I mentioned uh, Luna. I'm still not sold on him. Uh, White, I mean, look, it's it's such a, a weird such a position right now. And, you know, I he didn't do anything to make me say, oh, my goodness, there's a, another one in the running. Except that is wide open still up top in terms of that striker position. So somebody at some point has to go stand up and take it. I know with Balogun and everything that's going on. So I was pleasantly surprised by by them. Nobody, to be quite honest with you, Doc, nobody really stood out. I don't know, Mossy, did anybody anybody else that you didn't mention? No, it was Luna in the first half and Barak Terovich in the second half. Those were the two yeah. that tried to do something different. And so those would be the two for me. I, I, if you're a substitute and you come in, your job is to change 
what's going on in the field. And I think that happened, but it's also sometimes kind of fair because you come in, the game's, you know, in a different type of state and you can come in and you're, and you're fresh. So I don't judge players that are really good at substitutions at coming in as a substitute or even really bad at coming in as, as a substitute necessarily because sometimes it's unfair. Dylan, did you watch the game? And if so, did anybody stand out to you? Yeah, I watched. I was I was really pleasantly surprised with Bayrak Terevich. I hadn't mm-hmm. really heard of him much. I don't watch the revolution much. Um, but I thought he was really lively, linked up well with DeJuan Jones on the right side, obviously his teammate. Um, but I feel like he cre- he like was involved in three or four half chances at the end. If Tolkien buries one of those, it's a different uh yeah, and, and you know Robinson hitting a couple of those long balls that kind of opened things up. It was nice to see him uh, down on that right hand side and that and cutting back into that left foot, so that off wing type of thing. Um, yeah, he's kind of silky smooth in the way that he is, and like you like you said, he's kind of new on the scene, not kind of, but he's new on the scene, eighteen years old, and so must be nice, man, getting getting your first cap at eighteen years old and you're off to the races. It's uh, that's pretty cool. All right, doctor, listen, you, I'm sure you got plenty of work to do, plenty of studying to do. I wish you the uh, the best of luck in your endeavors here. And go Thanks, forth Mike. and go forth in surgery. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> See ya. All right, all right, all right. Listen, if you do want to talk. Just hit that little button, that blue, a little blue light will show up and uh, we'll bring you up here and hopefully you have something interesting to say. And uh, hopefully, like I said, you do it in a uh, efficient manner. Mossy, anything you're looking forward to in the uh, in the next week here? Because we'll have plenty of shows coming to you when it comes to the uh, the State of the Union and all sorts of stuff that's happening even later on this weekend, but obviously into uh, next week. Well, as long as we're talking about the Olympics, uh Fox Sports is covering uh, the CONMEBOL Olympic qualifying tournament, which uh, gets underway today in Venezuela. Uh, I'm covering a game tomorrow on FS1, Argentina-Paraguay. Keith Kosteman and Kobe Jones on the call. Tiago Almada is on Argentina's squad. Diego Gomez, the Inter-Miami player, is on Paraguay's squad. There's a whole bunch of other MLS players uh, looking forward to covering that tournament. We're doing a few of the games. Uh, and keep in mind, we talked earlier about players playing multiple tournaments this summer. Um, Javier Mascherano is Argentina's under 23 coach. So if they qualify, he would be coaching them in the Olympics. And he's already campaigning for Messi to play in the Olympics as well. Not sure how Inter Miami would feel about that, but Messi could potentially play in the Copa America and the Olympics. Also, remember the Olympics are in Paris. Thierry Henry is France's under 23 coach, and he's hoping Mbappe will play in the Olympics and the Euros. So those are two big names out there to keep an eye. And, you know, if Mbappe, he has so much leverage right now that if, if he wanted to make that a condition to PSG for him staying, they would agree with, to it in a second. So I, I think with Mbappe, it certainly is plausible. The from a, from, a, from a women's standpoint, obviously, we have a long list of not just making Olympics, but winning Olympic gold medals. And, you know, the, the difference between an experience as a soccer player in the Olympics and experience as a soccer player in the World Cup, it, it is night and day. Obviously, all of the other competition in the Olympics just makes the dynamic that that much more different. Um, but it is something pretty special, especially for Americans. And we, we grow up, well, yeah, certainly the World Cup from a soccer perspective, everybody knows it. But the Olympics, they hold something very special and a, a special place in Americans' heart and what it is. And so the pride that you feel, and not just Americans, but you know, as we're saying, if it, Mbappe or Messi or anything, any other of these players, that would be fun. That would be fun for them to be to be seen in an Olympics and what that what that would be. 
you know, I just, I'm just excited that from a men's perspective, the U.S. is back because back when we were qualifying for Olympics, it was a real proving, proving ground for a lot of players and for a group that kind of matriculated up to the national team. And that was the logical progression. Not all of them, just a, a, a small group that were able to, you know, take that, uh, take that next step. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Should we take one more question, Mossy, and then get out of here? Let's do it. Jonathan, unmute yourself. Yeah, why doesn't the MLS have a rest during Copa America, but they have a rest during the Interleague Cup or whatever cup we did with Mexico? So why don't they why don't they stop playing is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah what's the point of the one month league that no one that the Mexican format they, they were away for every game and so on? Well, MLS, okay. Their business is MLS, right? So if they have a tournament that they own and run and benefit from, obviously it, it, it helps them to stop the league. And it doesn't mean that their players playing internationally doesn't help, the, doesn't help them, but obviously for a league that doesn't play from August around the bend to June and plays through the summer, that's valuable time that they can take off. So if they're going to take it off, they're going to make sure that it's in their best interest to, uh, to, be, able to, do, to, to be able to do that. I, I think I answered your question, John. I'm, I'm not sure, but oh yeah. well. Mossy, anything uh, before we go, my friend? No, that's it. We'll be back uh, Monday, right, for a regularly yeah. scheduled pod, and we'll talk further about this game. Will we? Will we, <laughs> <laughs> <Will> we really? <laughs> I mean, I, look, it's it's great for these players that got on the field. And who knows? We might, They might never be seen again. And if this is their one time to represent the country in this capacity, congratulations to them. And it means something, whether it's a hundred times or, or, or one time, it means something. And it was, you know, a fun little glimpse into some of these players and maybe a glimpse into the future when it comes to the development. But as we said, this is going to be forgotten very, very quickly. And there are much, much bigger fish to fry for this U.S. men's national team throughout this uh, throughout this year. Coming up in March, as we said, and then obviously into the summer with multiple uh, multiple tournaments going forward. So here's to good things on and off the field. Here's to good things for everybody that tuned in. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you to everyone that does listen to the State of the Union podcast. As Mossy said, we'll be back again next week with uh, a few more shows talking about all the things that are happening here and around the world on and off the field when it comes to uh, soccer, obviously through the lens of red, white, and blue color glasses. Uh, keep reviewing and downloading and rating and subscribing and doing all the different things that you do. We thank you for doing that. We will talk again next week. And until then, and as always, my friends, size the day. <laughs>